By the end of this episode, you will know how to launch a successful year-end Christmas offering that casts vision, warms hearts, and unleashes generosity in your church. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Church Changer Podcast. Thank you for joining us. My name is Lauren Berkerich, and I'm one of your hosts here at Church Changer, and I'm joined by my co-host and my pastor, Tim Lucas. Merry Christmas, Lauren. Merry Christmas, Tim. <laughs> Sounds odd to say, <laughs> recording this in the fall, but did you know, in the average church, 20% of their annual giving comes in the last four weeks of the year. That's incredible. So December is critical, but the reality is most churches have no plan for communicating with donors or intentionally stewarding generosity at Christmas time. Um, let's be real, behind the scenes, a lot of pastors cross their fingers and pray for a strong financial finish to the year, uh, but hope is not a strategy. Uh, what I have found is that God blesses leaders who both pray and plan strategically to maximize year-end giving at Christmas. So today, our topic is super timely for church leaders. We're going to teach you how to crush a year-end Christmas offering. And the good news is, everyone, you still have time to pull this off. So here's the deal. A lot of churches, right, Tim, they simply bypass the opportunity for a Christmas offering campaign. But this is an incredible opportunity to share God's vision for your church in the year ahead, and then invite your congregation to be a part of that by giving generously. This could be a game changer for your church, because while the congregation doesn't set the vision— they can set the pace at which you achieve that vision. That's right. That's right. But you have to invite them in. You have to actually give them an opportunity to participate. So in this episode, first Tim and I, we are going to walk you through a step-by-step -step plan for launching a Christmas offering. Then we are going to invite a guest to join the conversation. Nathan Thompson is the lead pastor at City Alliance Church in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And last year, he took his church through their first Christmas offering using our model, and he has a great success story to share. So if you get bored of Tim and I, don't worry, you're going to be hearing from Nathan soon. Tim, I really do want to get people on board with this idea, you know, because it really makes an impact. I don't feel like we're overselling that one bit. At Liquid, we've been doing an annual Christmas offering since 2009, I believe, so can you share the impact this has really had for our church? Yeah, I think like a lot of churches, when we launched in 2007, you know, we we tried our best to, to have a responsible budget. And, you know, you'd have, hey, there was acceleration around Easter time, but then you have the summer drop off. And then fall giving often comes back. People start getting back into regular mm -hmm. routines. But then it was like Christmas was this giant question mark on the calendar. Like, are we going to make our budget? Are we going to squeak by? Will we have financial momentum to start the year off strong? Or are we actually going to start off in a deficit? And so you layer that level of leadership anxiety <laughs> on the top of like the Christmas calendar and Christmas Eve services and all of that. Um, we realized, man, there was a gift to be strategic and purposeful in our planning about how we communicate at the end of the year. And so we started a Christmas offering, a year-end Christmas offering, that launches on Thanksgiving weekend every year. That's right. And what it is, as you just described, it's not, hey, here's how we're doing financially. Please give to, you know, just the general, you know, uh, budget. This is actually looking forward. We call it a Vision Sunday offering in which we're saying, hey, for the next year, calendar year to come, here are four strategic areas we want to invest in. Some of them may be compassion. Some of them may be missions. It may be about campus expansion or next generation. We'll get into that. But what was incredible is instead of now sweating the end of the year, 
we began seeing there was reliable giving patterns that people are exceptionally generous. They want to give above and beyond their normal tithes and offerings. So this isn't playing catch up. It's not cannibalizing your current tithing. It's saying there are people who want to give significant year end gifts also for tax purposes, but most pastors fail to clearly communicate the vision it's going towards. And so people who are maybe more high capacity say, you know what, we don't want to just give to, you know, pave the parking lot or turn the lights on. Uh, So we're going to give to World Vision. Wonderful organization. We love World Vision. But they probably would give to the local church if you told them what God was calling you to in the year to come. And so as we started doing that, the results were incredible. Um, We saw extraordinary uh, generosity in the last four weeks of the year. The more we backed it up and told people in November what was coming, they were able to plan and have that, and then we could enter January on strong financial footing. So we saw upwards of 20%, one year 25% of our annual budget. Um, We started with a very modest Christmas offering. I think our first one was maybe an extra $50,000, which is a lot of money. Um, But we did break that, you know, by by a few thousand dollars. We realized we might have set it too low. Then $100,000 are, and again, just don't get intimidated by zeros, right? I mean, if you're a church planter, I get it, $5,000, extraordinary amount. But it can be a game changer proportionally because people have a desire at Thanksgiving and Christmas to go above and beyond to help people in need. And your church can be part of that. That's right. And, you know, we're talking about the idea of vision, right? That means, hey, this isn't an offering so we can pay our bills. Right. Our annual Christmas offering typically spotlights three to four mission-critical needs for our church. So these can be compassion projects. They can support organizational goals, but all align with the vision God has uniquely given our church. So, for example, here at Liquid, we are passionate about serving the hungry and homeless locally in New Jersey. So we might have a bucket in our Christmas offering centered around that. Additionally, we consider it a privilege to serve children and adults with special needs. So we have a robust ministry established around this. So you'll see our special needs ministry often spotlighted in our actual Christmas offering. In fact, we did something really big in 2019. Tim, can you tell folks about that? It was the biggest response by far in the history of our church. We had a Christmas offering, and our focal point was to actually build and launch a brand new cafe at a broadcast campus that employs adults with special needs. Um, you, people know we've talked about special needs at program. It's a heartbeat of our church. But what we found is a lot of children in our area, once they hit the age of 18 or 21, they become young, independent adults. They age out of the educational system. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge drop-off in terms of support. And many of them have never had a job. Yeah, 80, very high unemployment rate. 85% of young adults with special needs have never known the joy of meaningful work. And we see them created in God's image with extraordinary gifts to offer the community. So that Christmas... 2019, we cast a big vision. We told the story of Robbie Brooks, a uh, young adult with uh, Down syndrome, and uh, the meaning it come for him to come in and actually have meaningful work. And the Holy Spirit moved in a powerful way. Um, we had a modest goal. Uh, well, not modest goal. It was significant, but our people just blew it away. Mm-hmm. Um, before the end of the year, our congregation gave over $400,000 to that vision. And this is above and beyond their regular tithes and giving. 
And so the cool part is yesterday we had the grand opening of the cafe. Robbie was there. So were two dozen of his special needs friends who are now baristas and cashiers and servers. Uh, The mayor from our town came to cut the ribbon. It was just a moment of seeing God bring that vision to life. So again, contextualize that, guys, for your ministry, okay? The Christmas offering should help you accelerate and achieve your God-given unique vision, okay? Think about the compassion projects that your church already probably has a heart for. You know, maybe it's helping, you know, indigent families down in Appalachia. Maybe it's, you know, human trafficking. But the point is, you know you're going to give muscle and money towards it, but you need to invite your congregation into those missions the fall before the year it happens, And I can tell you that our people have been extraordinarily generous supporting, especially our compassion projects. Yeah. Let me just give you all another example of what a compassion project looks like. So for us here at Liquid, one of our compassion projects would be supporting our global outreach ministry, which is the clean water cause. So we envision a day when every person on the planet has access to safe, clean drinking water. To date, our church has drilled more than 360 clean water wells in nine different nations. We've brought clean water to over 130,000 people. And together, over the course of the life of our church, we've donated more than $3 million to the clean water cause. Now, that's incredible, right? That's something. a huge impact. Yeah, that's something we love to celebrate as a church. And it's something we were going to do no matter what. But highlighting at Christmas, people are able to say, you know what? Beyond our kids getting gifts, we want to teach them to give. And so our family is going to help with a well in Africa. Absolutely. And I want to point out that, you know, we I said all those numbers, which uh, it's it's so incredible. I think the numbers at this point in, in time after all these years of ministry, mm-hmm. you know, they've grown. There's something we can be proud of. However, we didn't do that alone. That's not like the church and the church Hardly. staff. The congregation made that happen. So that's what I want to point out. We can't do that, though, unless we invite them in into it, to lock arms with us around this cause. So the clean water cause is often a part of our Christmas offering. In fact, it will be again this year. Yeah, we often rotate different causes to spotlight, right? Because, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can get compassion fatigue and we want we have a number of, of key areas. And so another great example of a strategic project that could appear in your Christmas offering would be an investment in your next gen ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, most builders, most boomers, grandparents have a huge heart for their grandkids, and they're concerned about the faith being passed on in a robust way. So in 2021, our Christmas offering funded a new college shuttle bus so that local college students could be part of our church. And uh, we just opened a new campus um, down in Princeton, New Jersey, and we wanted to remove the hurdle of transportation. We have so many schools close to our campuses. In fact, we've got, you know, Ryder College of New Jersey, Montclair State University, you know, all 10, 15 minutes away. And so we said, you know what? If there are some college students who want to come to our church, now we know they're not coming to the early service. <laughs> Let's just be honest. That's true. But they are up around 10, 45, 11. And if you promise them free coffee and breakfast, they're coming. And so we said, but a lot of them don't have cars. And so we cast that vision and our folks gave generously. Again, I think that was about a $75,000 shuttle bus that we purchased. And again, it's probably something we would have put normally in our general budget, but it spotlights our heart for the next generation of Zoomers, really passing on the baton. So we now use that bus, by the way, for all sorts of stuff, small groups, outreaches, events designed for college students. Um, We have a heart to help international students, particularly because a lot of them who come here for college, they they don't have a family who's local. So our church provides kind of a surrogate family while they're away from home. But, But see, it's about vision. 
It's not about, hey, guys, we need money for a new vehicle, a church van. Wah, wah. Not a vision. We had a vision for reaching the next generation, and you could be part of a powerful tool to do that. And our, and our folks made it a reality. They did make it a reality. And I want to tell you that when Tim cast that vision, you didn't just hear from Tim. You actually heard from some college students when we presented it to our congregation. Yes. They were Ubering to church. Yes. And you guys know that college kids don't have a lot of money. All right. right. So this was dedication. Yeah. But we asked them what a college shuttle would mean to them. Yes. And they spoke into that. And I have to tell you, this group, we've seen them evangelizing and bringing more and more friends yes. to church. And the college shuttle helps make that possible. A powerful way to cast vision is to tell stories. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be highly produced, highly polished, uh uh-uh, just highly personal. And so I went down to Princeton and actually talked with them. You remember, I think I shot a video going out to Chipotle with the college students. You did, and it was just on your iPhone? (laughs) Just on my iPhone, absolutely. So guys, you don't need a whole lot of tech or a big budget to do this. But I want to tell you right now, especially if you're taking notes, and this will be in the leader, guys, there's really five pockets Mm -hmm. of generosity. I think John Maxwell probably started this. We've refined it through our unique context. But when I talk about five pockets of generosity, think about like a pair of jeans, right? You've got two pockets in the front, two in the back. (laughs) Maybe there's a hidden pocket in a pocket. I don't know. But there's five pockets of generosity that donors often will reach into. And most of us have favorites. For me, it's compassion. My Wife and I, you know, she grew up in, in New York City, and so ministry on the seat, on the streets. If we can help mm. the homeless and the hungry, we love to give above and beyond our tithes and general giving. So compassion is the number one um, pocket of generosity, particularly at Christmas. People are thinking of the less fortunate. So for us at, at, at Liquid, uh, we do a one million meal pack where we actually pack nutritious fortified meals for families who are food insecure around the globe. It's a huge thing. Our Christmas offering always underwrites that. It's a big outreach. We would do it anyway, but it's a big part of who we are, our heart as a church. So that compassion pocket's number one. And I want to say that no matter where somebody is on their faith journey, they can understand that. Yes. You don't have to know Jesus to know that I have a heart to feed the the hungry and the homeless, those Absolutely. who are less fortunate. So I feel like that reaches people on all stages of where they yes. are in their journey with Jesus. I would encourage you to lead with cause. Yeah. Um, cause, uh, particularly for millennials, they don't really care what you believe they want to see as their feet to your faith. Um, is this making the world a better place? Yeah. So anybody can get on board, right? Clean drinking water for kids in Rwanda. Anybody can get on board with that. Even we've had, um, by the way, people who don't go to our church who heard about our, you know, our vision offering, our Christmas offering, have given to it because they said, "Man, we can get on board with you know helping elevate you know young women's education in Africa." So compassion is the first one. But now listen carefully because this is important. Different buckets. Um, for some, and this is a church I grew up in, and it's often the older generation uh, of builders and boomers, no surprise, they have a heart, that pocket of bricks and mortar buildings, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? You probably know, and again, I'm a little bit younger, so, and we've met in hotels, and we, that's never been important to us, buildings. But the reality is there are people in your congregation who see the need, and they're like, oh man, if we could remodel, fill in the blank. Fellowship Hall, or what if we renovated the gymnasium and made it for after school, you know, tutoring or a new children's wing? Now, again, you may have be like, oh, man, we don't have the money for that. But Christmas offering is a very powerful way to do that. For us, the cafe was a bricks and mortar uh, bucket. Um, and builders love that bucket. There are just some people who love to give to building and upkeep of physical campuses. The third bucket is evangelism. Um, there will be people in your church who their primary pocket is 
it's not about serving the people who are here. What are we doing to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus out in the neighborhood? How are we reaching the community? And so for us, many times in Christmas offering, we will have a bucket of campus expansion. Mm -hmm. Our vision of saturating the state is realized um, with our our multi-site model, having a campus, a physical campus in every county. And so we know, hey, we're going to renovate this church down in Princeton, launch a new campus. That goes in to the Christmas offering. It's something in the year to come, but I'm casting vision for it the previous fall. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I just want to cast a little vision for those who maybe don't have a multi-site model where they wouldn't be looking towards campus expansion. You could have events that are evangelism-focused, yes. right? Yes, absolutely. You could have, say it's a movie night that you're gearing towards reaching yeah. your local community and your neighbors. We hosted a special event down the Jersey Shore oh, yeah. for us that was super attractional. Liquid we at didn't the shore. Have, yep, yeah. liquid at the shore. We didn't have any campuses in that area. It was a huge event, and that made it into our Christmas offering one year as well. It did. Again, something you know, an initiative that you're going to do that might be a little bit underfunded, doesn't fit into your general budget, but when you cast vision for it ahead of time, people feel like they're getting in on the ground floor, and they are. I mean, truly. Like, right? A lot of times, like, we have these dreams and visions, and oftentimes God can validate that when the congregation gets behind it in a grassroots stage. Absolutely. So those you're probably wondering, what are the last two buckets, right? <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. talked about five pockets of generosity. The first is compassion. The second, buildings. Third, evangelism. The fourth, next generation, okay? This is something that is multi cross-generational pocket, okay? Boomers love to invest in the next generation. Uh, I'm Gen X. We love to invest in millennials. Millennials actually are saying, hey, we're starting to have our kids, Zoomers, uh, and then there'll be Generation Alpha. Did you know it's called that already? No, I actually have no idea what generation my children are. I think they are if alpha. If you're five and under They're under probably Generation alpha? alpha. Yeah, they're past Gen Z. Get ready. I pray for you, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what their future is going to be. Who knows? People are, particularly Christians, we're living in a very much a post-Christian culture, and there are so many people who are very concerned about an actually an orderly transfer of faith to the next generation mm-hmm. in a language that connects with their hearts and minds. So that next generation project may be, hey, like we had, college shuttle. It may be, you know, we're going to remodel the children's wing. Or it's, we're going to do an outreach on, you know, college campuses. Or whatever it is. It may be something you normally do. VBS, Awana, or, you know, a summer camp for kids. You do it. It's your general budget. But it's not part of your vision. And so when you elevate to the Christmas offering, it onboards new core donors to that. The last one is missions. Um, Again, I grew up, uh, you know, in a Baptist church. And so uh, people said, okay, it's great we're reaching America, but it may be post-Christian, but at least the gospel's planted here. What are we doing around the world? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of churches I have uh, coached have had a lot of success by casting a vision for cross-cultural missions. Here's something that we're doing in Zimbabwe. Here's what we're going to do in Nicaragua. We're going to, and sometimes, watch this, we'll cross pockets. We'll say, we're going to take our high school students, so that's next generation, uh, all the way to Costa Rica to build an orphanage. Wait a minute. So it's missions, compassion, and next generation. We have done that. We've sent our high schoolers and their parents on a special trip to dig clean water wells in Central America. That's right. So those do converge, and people get really excited about that. I have found that the ones that really inspire people are when you have that convergence, like a Venn diagram. It's like Mm -hmm. next generation compassion and its missions. It's like the sweet spot. So the strategy, guys, is to look at those five pockets of generosity and pick three. All right? I find most uh, pastors who I coach, 
most congregations have the bandwidth to focus on three of them. And you'll want to rotate them every year, right? So if you're doing clean water this year, well, maybe it's special needs next year. Special needs might be two years in a row, but then we're going to focus on the next generation. And you move those around depending on the season of ministry that your church is in. Now, once you've decided upon your mission-critical needs for the year ahead, the question becomes, hey, how do you share that vision with your congregation? So we recommend that each year you set aside the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend as Vision Sunday. So this is an annual event and a celebration for us. So this year, that is Sunday, November 27th. Mark your calendars, everyone. On that Sunday, Tim actually preaches a special message. He lays out the vision for our church, and we always have special elements as part of that message. It could be testimony videos, guests that we interview on stage, surprise moments that leave everyone in tears or everyone cheering, (laughs) right? Tim, you talked about how important storytelling is. We leave storytelling into the Sunday. Testimony videos, bringing people on stage. Absolutely. We want to feel the heartbeat of the church on that Sunday. Right. It is a feel-good, inspiring message. It rallies our church into action. This is the moment that we actually invite them to be a part of the vision God has for our church. And we always include a handout for folks on that Sunday, which is our Christmas offering brochure. So Tim, before we get to the brochure, why is Thanksgiving weekend such a strategic time for launching this offering? If you wait until Christmas to talk about your Christmas offering, too late. Mm. The ship has sailed. And I've learned this the hard way, so that's why we're giving you this uh, secret kind of hack. And again, it's just something where we're cooperating with the calendar. The reality is Thanksgiving is the start of the holiday season for the vast majority of families in North America. Think about it. Most people are off Thursday and Friday. Saturday, Sunday. So there's a four-week window where they're at home with family and friends. Many of them are gathered around, uh, you know, the, the Thanksgiving table. And at Thanksgiving, everyone is thinking about giving back, right? Hey, how can we help the less fortunate? They're, they have a heightened awareness of the gratitude of how God's blessed them. And so we want to be, here's the key, on the top of their mind and on top of their mail, <laughs> I know what you're getting out there. Everybody, pay attention to your mailbox this year right around Thanksgiving. See oh, what comes incredible. in the mail. It is like clockwork. I, a friend of mine pointed this out to me this about 10 years ago. He goes, watch Thanksgiving weekend, what happens in your mail? I said, what, what, what happens? And it was incredible. I got focus on the family, world vision, compassion, amazing ministries. Again, we love them. We're not in competition. We compliment them. Um, but they started asking for the year-end gifts. Yes. And it's a big oversized envelope. Some of them come with like, you know, a little booklet of like, hey, this oh, is Oh, the what Christmas we're... cards you can send or the free address labels. No, don't send that junk. Don't do, <laughs> do not do that. But that's what you get from the, the organization. That's, that's what, what you I get. typically get. Some, some better ones like, you know, Compassion, you'll get a booklet that says, hey, do you want to sponsor children this Christmas? Yes. There are three children whose lives your chil- you can literally change Um, by sponsoring these children. They're doing that at Thanksgiving. And again, that's just the best practice. It cooperates with where people are. But what we do as a church is we say, you know, we know our people also want to give to their local church, but we're never clear about that. People just think like, oh, my ties go to snow removal, you know, or or whatever, the the children's car. So what we do is we create a three-panel brochure outlining the Christmas offering and our goal. Now, here's the key. Again, this will be in the leader notes. You, what you typically, because most pastors who I coach, they say, well, you know, how do I pick a number? You know, what, what is the, the goal for the Christmas offering? Because you need a goal. Typically, it should be around 10% of what your annual budget is. Mm. So if your annual budget is $50,000, you set a goal of 
$5,000 for the Christmas offering. Does that make sense? It does, yes. If your budget is $500,000, you say, hey, our goal above and beyond, key language, everyone say above and beyond, our regular tithes and giving. If it's $500,000, it's $50,000. And let me tell you what that's going to go to. Here are the three pockets of generosity. And so we're not shy, by the way, um, because we notice other ministries, they will um, love casting vision to your donors. But the reality is most people want to know what their local church is going to be doing beyond the kind of Sunday through Friday ministry. And um, this is about kind of going beyond the walls of the church to leave a legacy of love. So that brochure, it's got all the information our folks need. And then they get that physical brochure on Vision Sunday, okay? I'll preach through that biblically. Um, I'll cast that vision with great passion. I want people to feel the heartbeat. And our church online folks actually get a digital version, right, Lauren? Yeah, absolutely. We want to make sure they're included. Now, it's like a PDF version, but as they're watching the message— they have the ability to actually click a link, right? And we provide mm-hmm. them with a direct URL so they can be looking at that brochure and walking through it as Tim is preaching as well. Yeah. And for those who might be confused, like, wait, so do you mail it on Thanksgiving or you give it out on Sunday? The answer is yes. <laughs> Both. Redundancy is your friend. In fact, some years I've gotten together our legacy team. Uh, legacy team is simply our team of financial leaders in the church. These are people who are all in, help fuel the mission. Some of them are small group leaders, some dream team leaders. But I'll actually have a, a lunch or Colleen, I'll have a dessert. And we share with them ahead of Thanksgiving be, what we're going to be giving ourselves to in the coming year. So they don't hear it for the first time on Vision Sunday. They heard it through a dessert or a mailing. Then they hear it on Vision Sunday. And then the following week, they're getting another the same brochure in the mail. So redundancy is there. Yeah, so we're asking people to process what the information that we've given them and then to pray about it so they can make that decision, right? That is so key. Okay, this is really important, all right? This is a discipleship tool for parents and kids. We want to get this in their hands early in November so that families can pray together, process and discuss what kind of gift they want to contribute by December 31st. So you've got a target amount. And then you actually have a deadline. And that mm-hmm. red line in the sand is December 31st for tax purposes. So we're giving families a runway to process and pray about it and then make a decision by the end of the year. And how we make it inclusive, like Tim was saying, we tell parents, use this as a teaching tool with your kids. And let me just speak into that because my kids are five and under. And we still actually get some physical catalogs in the mail. So yeah. the Amazon sends us a catalog and Target sends us a catalog. Yes. And my boys who are five and three, they wear that out. It is um, more <laughs> dog eared than any book in the house, right? And they circle every single thing on every single page. And every day it's, here's what I want. And can you get me this? And can I ask Santa for that? And right. Uh, you know, you don't want that to be the focus of the season. It's natural, right? They're little kids. That's okay. But this is a great teaching moment for them. And to actually talk about other children, right? Make it relatable. There are children in Rwanda who don't have clean water. Did you know that they can't just turn on the faucet and get clean drinking water? And do you think we can make a gift to support them? What what should we do? You know, make it relatable for them. The Christmas offering is not about fundraising. That's the number one mistake pastors make. They see this as fundraising. It's not. It's about faith raising. It's about discipleship. What you just said with your kids, right? Most parents are very worried about the crippling consumerist spell mm-hmm. that North America casts over their kids. They want their kids to be selfless and not consumed with getting what they want, but giving to those who need it most. 
And so we really position this as, hey, this is a discipleship experience for the whole family. So we challenge families, look over those three or four buckets and pray. We never ask for a specific amount from anybody. We simply say, pray. We trust you and we trust the Holy Spirit. How will the, the God just kind of um, guide your family to sacrifice a family and give generously to those in need. And we've heard some incredible stories over the years, right? There was a family who they were saving up to remodel their basement. And they said, when we cast vision for the cafe, and they said, you know what, actually, we're going to give that down payment, that money toward the cafe. We were going to remodel this part of our house, but instead we want to help renovate this part of God's house. Yeah. Powerful. Then there was a man who had been saving up. He had a down payment for a Harley Davidson. Oh, that ignited our clean water cause. Right. He was like, I'm going to put this toward um, digging a clean water well. Yeah. If you, again, be encouraged. If you're a church planner uh, or, you know, you have a smaller congregation, this is what ignited our clean water cause. Our wells at that time cost $5,000, I think. And I I'd said, guys, can you imagine if God gave us the grace as a church to, to, you know, actually fund an entire well? That's literally what I had the faith for. Mm-hmm. And it, on the, that Monday, a guy came in, a biker, to our church office at the time, and we were kind of the slanty shanty. This is a, not the great part of town. And he came up, and he has biker chaps on, and he goes, here, where's Tim? I'm giving this. And I thought, uh-oh, you know, is he here to beat me up or <laughs> collect a debt? <laughs> but he puts down a check for $5,000, and he says, when I saw what those kids in Ethiopia are drinking, because we showed video of yeah. drinking muddy water, he goes, I can't get a Harley Davidson soft tail in good conscience. So this is my down payment I was going to use to buy a Harley this year. I'm giving it to clean water. I mean, powerful. Chills. I get chills even now thinking about that. Yeah. And we came back the next Sunday, told that story, and then another family donated. We ended up what we thought we might have faith for one well turned into 14 wells, and that began our clean water cause. And that's all about inspiring your congregation to action, right? Inviting them into the process. And Tim, I know that one year too, just another example for folks, we wiped out over $10 million of crippling medical debt for families who are living at or below the poverty line. You know, this again was an idea we got from um, some partner churches who said, did you know, um, you know, a lot of low-income families, you know, they have a medical bill. It might be, you know, $3,000 for something that happened. Um, they can't pay it off. They can't even they get the interest, you know, but you can buy it for pennies on the dollar with RIP medical debt, um, dot com. You go check it out. It's a not-for-profit vetted. Incredible. It was amazing. And so we said, guys, what if this Christmas we canceled debts in the name of Jesus for people who are living below the poverty line? And uh, it was pretty incredible. We ended up wiping out, I think it was over $13 million dollars. Uh, of medical debt. We didn't raise $13 million, you know, mm-hmm. it was pennies on the dollar, but we wiped that out. And here's the cool part. We sent a letter to those families and said, we want to let you know your debt this Christmas has been canceled. And the reason is because Jesus canceled our debt on the cross. So Merry Christmas, your debts are canceled in Jesus name. That's powerful. That is compassion and evangelism working together. Yeah. Can you imagine receiving that totally out of the blue? That letter arrives, this debt that's been such a burden weighing on you, just wiped out. Absolutely incredible. So again, that see the vision behind that? You feel the heartbeat, um, and people get on board. But at Christmas, they say, man, I want to be part of doing something that changes lives for eternity. And, you know, I just want to tell everybody, we want to be as helpful as possible um, with this. I know we're laying out these steps, but in our leader guide this month, we're going to include links to past Vision Sunday messages. We're going to include links to our prior Christmas offering brochures, our materials. 
So you can use what we've created as inspiration or a template. So you're not starting from scratch because I realize you are in a tight timeline. But remember, just if you want to get your hands on that leader guide, just go to churchchanger.com slash podcast. And then there is one more key piece that we produce for a Christmas offering each year. So I told you about the, the brochure, right? We talked about that, but there's a mailer. So on the Monday following the Vision Sunday message, we send out a uh, via first-class mail mm-hmm. a letter from Tim with the Christmas offering brochure tucked inside along with an offering envelope. Now, this makes sure that we reach all the active members of our congregation, not just those who attended church on Sunday. So you know what? Maybe you missed Tim's message. We send out this mailer. We include everyone in the vision. Give everyone an opportunity to participate. Redundancy is your friend. Now, I want to speak to the skeptics because there's some pastors out there who said, uh, not only do we not have the finances for this, but I, I, you know, spending money on a brochure in a first-class mailing— This requires an investment on your part, okay? Yes, printing a quality, high card stock, quality brochure. I'm not talking about, you know, something run off on the church printer, okay? We send this out to be professionally printed. You will see that return tenfold. I I really think we've just seen the power of this. When that brochure gets to somebody through the mail, through Vision Sunday, however they receive it, I say, the only thing I ask is you don't throw this away. For the next four weeks, set it on your nightstand. And every night, not a big deal. There's no guilt. But literally, just pray and say, God, how do you want me to participate? How are you calling me to participate? We will never, I will never ask you for money. I will never tell you the amount to give. There's no guilt. There's no manipulation or duty. But I really believe the Holy Spirit will speak to people. But he often uses that tangible reminders. And so we've had gotten testimonies of couples who said, you know, we stared at that stupid brochure for a while. <laughs> it was on the, uh, you know, the the floor, uh, the, the wheel well of my car it ended up on. But then my wife brought it inside and we looked at it and we did. We started praying with our kids. And this is what God, you know, he prompted us to do. And it's just so powerful to see that. So understand the brochure. It's not just, you know, promotional material. It can be a tool used by the Holy Spirit. And let me note that the offering envelope, which I said you should tuck into that mailing, it may sound old school to some of you, but the bottom line is that it works. People still give using an old school offering envelope, whether they turn it in in person or they mail it in because ours is postage prepaid. It's actually funny because every year on staff, there's a debate. Can we just get rid of this offering envelope? Is it time to get rid of it? And All our executive pastor has to do is show the real numbers Mm -hmm. of how many people still give using the envelope, and the debate is over, right? Yeah. Yeah. So realize this. The envelope is also a visual cue, a reminder that it's an opportunity to be generous. So although most of those envelopes may end up in the trash because the majority of people are going to choose to give online or via our app, we feel including the envelope is still an important part of our mailing outreach. Personal testimony. Um, When our kids were little, we'd pray about the Christmas offering. Our weekly giving, Colleen and I tithe digitally. You know, it comes right out of our paycheck. We don't even see it. It just goes online digital. Every year, though, we would write an analog check together as a family, have the kids put it in the envelope, and they would bring it to church. Oh, that's great. I wanted them to have the experience of this is what sacrifice actually feels like. You know, so it's great that we bring, you know, take friction out of the way for most people. But the offering envelope, there's something powerful about it as a training tool, a discipleship tool. Yep. We've used it with our kids, uh, you know, and they may not have seen it in the moment. But it was always like got a lump in our throat. We were like, hey, this is the last service of the year and we're making a pretty significant, you know, sacrifice as a family here. And our kids would bring it and put it in the uh, in the offering bucket. 
You know, just because you mentioned discipling your children, I would also encourage like my boys. I mean, again, they're little, but they have a piggy bank. Yeah. Yeah. Like they could contribute and put money from their piggy bank in. I don't care if it's all change, guys. hundred percent. It's the it's the heart behind it. Let you you know this every January, inevitably now I get on stage and I report back because you need to report back. It was a Christmas offering fulfilled. Was the vision fulfilled? Do we have what we need? And what was interesting is inevitably over Christmas, we'll get like an envelope and it'll have like 45 cents in it. There'll be some kid who says, I want to help cancel someone's bills. And they spell bills, B-I-L-L-Z, you know? Yeah. And you can see it's just a parent who has helped the child. They're giving them training wheels for their heart. And again, that's the whole key. It's not about the amount. It's about the attitude of the heart. Yeah. So let's recap, Tim. We have three key steps to launch our Christmas offering. Mm -hmm. First, you want to plan the vision. That is identify those five pockets of generosity. You're probably choosing just three of them. And then you're casting that vision to the entire church, right? You're going to do that on Vision Sunday. You're going to make sure people find out about it over Thanksgiving. And then you're going to use those weeks, typically six weeks, to communicate that vision with redundancy, giving them some helpful tools like the brochure, like the Christmas offering mailer. But guess what? You're not done yet. You have to keep casting that vision. And here's the key. You don't preach on it every week. You drip it in to your sermons. If it's important enough, you know, to call vision, it's important enough to preach on and drip into your teaching throughout the month of December. And so there's a lot of opportunities to do that, right, in Christmas series. So we have an offering moment every Sunday, and in December, we'll often dedicate that time to reiterating the vision. For Again, assume people are not paying attention every week. They're paying attention, tuning in once a week, even maybe once a month, but you're kind of recasting that vision, inviting people to make a gift before the end of the year. We also use our social media channels for additional inspiration and storytelling related to the offering. We send out a few reminder emails and app push notifications throughout the month, too. It's important to note that these are not heavy-handed. They are inspiration-focused, but we also know that people are busy. You know, we want to remind them that they still have an opportunity to be a part of something bigger than themselves at Christmas. And then we go ahead and make a last call right after Christmas with a fun video from Tim. Now, we used to call these our pastor in pajamas videos. Oh, they, they are infamous. <laughs> Tim, I think you might have a little PTSD from I these. do. <laughs> so take us back. What was what was the video? I mean, tell yeah. us because they were funny, but they also served an important purpose. Yeah. So you guys know, especially if you're in ministry, after Christmas Eve, you are toast. You're dead to the world, right? You've put on Christmas Eve services, celebrated. Everyone came over, had a ham, spilled everything on your carpet, destroyed it. Then you have to get presents out for your kids. You're just done. You don't have anything left. And I remember Lauren being like a little like, hey, Tim, we kind of need to send at least just a video reminding people (laughs) on December 26th that, hey, there's five days left in the year. Make sure you get Christmas offering. And I'm like, Lauren, you are my enemy. I'm dead. I don't have any energy left. And she said, well, what? She goes, would you be willing to shoot an iPhone video? I said, if I can wear my pajamas. (laughs) And so we would take our iPhone video and I'd shoot with my kids because we kind of all wear Christmas pajamas. Yep. It's typically in front of our tree with our dog, unpolished, okay, unscripted. Tim's wife is a videographer. She's a videographer because she's like, don't put me in the video in my pajamas, okay? (laughs) So it's me and the kids and we're wearing our pajamas, the dog's there. And I say, hey guys, that's awesome celebrating Christmas Christmas with you guys. Hope you had a great with your family. Um, 
son, what'd you get? And my son will be like, you know, a skateboard, you know, and I go, what'd you get, sweetheart? And she's like, oh, I got new kicks, you know, Nike sneakers or whatever. And I said, and I got a, hey, here's an electric razor. I guess they're sending me a message. You know, we just share something fun that we receive for Christmas. But we said, hey, you have an opportunity to make a huge difference here by giving your gift by year end. Just reminding you, thank you for what you do. And it's literally just from our heart to theirs, reminding them there's five days left in the year. Guess what, Lauren? Huge results when you would send out that short little, I'm talking a 60-second video. Yeah. And now, so Tim is literally shooting this on Christmas Day so we yes. can get it out the next day. And that did end up being onerous. You were like, please don't make my family do this anymore. But you know what? It was like a little, you know, it's kind of fun because it's like, hey, we always see each other on, in Sunday in church. Everyone's dressed up. But like we're home oh, yeah, unplugged in that. pajamas. The click-through rates on that were some of our highest click-through videos ever. They were. But then we thought of another way to work around that to work a little bit ahead, mm -hmm. right? And so we actually started creating the last two years these videos with dogs. So Tim's a dog lover and a dog <laughs> owner. So I'm gonna include some links to these videos so oh folks gosh. can see what we've done. Oh. But I just a tip, um, people love animal videos. They do. So they, I, those worked. People wanted to see, oh, what are all these dogs running around here? Well, it was it, a lot of fun. And it came out of nowhere. It's like I'm trying to film this with my kids, a 60-second video. And our dog keeps like jumping up and licking my face. And I'm like, get down, get down. People watched it over and over and over again. Because it's real life, right? Yeah. It's real mm -hmm. life. And so we're like, okay, more animals at Christmas. <laughs> and literally some of our open rates on these things are like 70%. So Which in the it, days after Christmas is incredible. Yeah, so there was this church is fun bent yeah. to the videos themselves. It wasn't just yeah. all seriousness, please get in yeah. your uh, Christmas offering by December 31st. No, it was lighthearted. and light. It's fun to be us. Hey, here's the here, people love to see their pastor at home and the dog, you know, jumping all over them yeah. and the kids. It's real life. But the reality is 7 to 10% of our end of year giving comes in those last five days of the year. Because let's be honest, most people are going nuts. They're cooking the ham. They're getting decorating the house. They're going shopping. They get everything. Oh, did did we give to the Christmas offering? Did you say they close out their year-end finances in those last five days before December 31st? Now, we don't want you to just take our word for it that this strategy works. As promised, we do have a guest and a good friend with us to talk about their experience. So our guest today is Nithin Thompson, the lead pastor of City Alliance Church, and I cannot wait to hear about his experience. So let's go ahead and dive in. I am so excited to welcome my good friend, Nathan Thompson, to the podcast. What's up, Nathan? Hey, what's up, Tim? Lauren, how y'all doing? Wonderful. Good. And for those of you who don't know, Nathan is the lead pastor at City Alliance Church in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, home to the Little League World Series, correct, Nathan? That is correct. You are right. And how long have you been in that capacity as lead pastor? Uh, I would say it's been around a year and a half. So not very long. Awesome. I love it. And he's going to speak today just about some firsthand experiences. And uh, we go back, Nithin and I, longtime friends, he actually served on our teaching team at Liquid and as our online pastor for over five years. And before that, you were in student ministry, as I recall, for more than six years about? I was. Yeah, I was yeah. doing youth and young adults um, at another church in New Jersey for about seven years. Yeah. 
He's a graduate of Alliance Theological Seminary, and I can tell you he is passionate about reaching people with the gospel in Pennsylvania. We're thrilled to have you join us today. So maybe just for our audience here, Nathan, paint us a picture of City Alliance Church so our, our listeners can relate. Who are you guys serving? Tell us a little bit about the local community, the size of your church, where you're seeing momentum right now. Yeah, absolutely. So City Alliance Church, we are in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It's north central Pennsylvania. So we are like three hours from like, you know, Pittsburgh and Philly. So we're kind of like right in the middle of okay. things. And um, we're probably like the largest city in north central PA. Um, someone once described us as the Paris of north central Pennsylvania. So okay. there you go as a description. <laughs> um, our population, we've got about 20,000 people. It's really kind of interesting because even though we're a city, we're, we're a small city, but we're surrounded by just rural. So we have all of the okay. blessings and challenges of the city and of rural living. So, you know, you come out here, there's lots of hiking and hunting and fishing and all that kind of stuff, as well as, you know, there's places where you can get, you know, nice restaurants, things like that. So it's kind of in the middle there. Our church is about 10 years old. Um, and in fact, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary. And we, we kind of came around this idea of what if we actually existed to serve the city we're in? And so City Alliance has really been about serving the city. And um, that's kind of their, their, our main identity. And about seven years ago, a historic um, Baptist church approached us and said, hey, listen, um, we would love to do a merger. Could we merge? Mm. And so uh, we, we have a building now, which is amazing. Praise God. That's uh, and, awesome. you know, as you know, being a, yeah, so there's a young church having a building. And so we, we essentially serve uh, the city of Williamsport. Um, and again, I think it's about 20,000 people through, you know, we have a, a, a food kitchen, a pantry that we do here. Um, you know, obviously reaching the lost is really kind of critical as well as, you know, being parts of just different justice ministries and things like that in our city. In terms of momentum, you know, it's, it's interesting. I would say our kids ministry has got some pretty high momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, a third of our congregation are kids. And so, oh, you know, wow, that's one of that's our growth awesome. strategies. Awesome. So yeah. <laughs> next generation, it can imagine that being a key part of your Christmas offering. Yeah. So, uh, Nathan, yeah. we wanted to point out that for you guys, 2021 was your first Christmas as lead pastor at City Alliance Church, and you it decided was. to launch a Christmas offering, something I, yeah. I understand you guys hadn't done before. So I'm curious, when you raised that idea to your staff, to your elders, what was their reaction? You know, I think there's a little bit of a honeymoon phase when you're a lead pastor where people are like, we'll let you kind of do whatever you want until we don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you know, our congregation is fairly young. I would say like 40s and younger kind of average. And so everyone's pretty open and new and, you know, especially they haven't had a pastor for a year. We were coming out of COVID. And so I'm just looking at it going, we need to kind of build momentum and, and kind of rebuild our focus. And so... I said, hey, guys, what if we did a Christmas offering and actually did above and beyond kind of our normal giving uh, as a way to kind of bless the people in our city? Um, and so, you know, there were some, some there's all sorts of different things. Um, and I think I, I landed on really kind of two areas, you know, two buckets, as you know, as Tim says, which is our compassion bucket, which is the, the one I chose was adoption. And then our capital bucket, which was uh, building actually a um, a handicap accessible bathroom and refreshing our welcome area because you know our church is 160 years old, 
uh, the bathrooms are 160 years old. So we needed to update those, you know, for our community and things like that. So your pockets were compassion and capital. I like the alliteration. That's the good homiletics professor in you. <laughs> I do what I can. <laughs> but but unpack that for us a little bit. So the compassion, did you say you guys highlighted adoption? I did. So, you know, one of the things I, I was looking at is just kind of getting to know our congregation were what were the things that our congregation was naturally passionate about. Okay. And so adoption was one of those things that they were passionate about. We had families that were in the process of adopting. And if you've ever had people in your life that are adopting, you know that there is tons of red tape and bureaucracy, yeah, and it's also really expensive, you know. Um, and, you know, as a, as a church, we, you know, we're, we're passionate about being a pro-life church. You won't see us marching, but we want to help families adopt and create homes for, you know, for kids and things like that. Love it. So that was, just, I thought, hey, you know what, that's something we're already doing. Let's just throw some gasoline on that. And also, you know what, let's. Let's kind of do a, a, a capital project as well. Because the other thing I, I, was, I was trying to learn about our church is, where are we at in terms of our generosity? Like, are we a generous church? Like, hey, we just want to go for it. Or are we, you know, because we're coming out of the pandemic, are we feeling kind of cautious? I just want to know, how do I best kind of disciple and care for our yeah. congregation? And so this was a way for me to kind of see where we're at and all those different places. And you got a pretty, this is so good that you really got a good temperature read of your congregation and it was encouraging. So, so tell us just a little bit, was. what was the goal that you set for your Christmas offering and what did you find out? Sure. So I, you know, I, I talked with our, you know, our, our, our team that kind of manages our building. I was talking to the families. And so we kind of landed on a number, which is around 35,000. Okay. And uh, Tim, I'm just going to be very honest with you and everyone that's listening, um, I had, I, I was like, I don't even know if we're going to hit this because my faith was small. And I'm like, you know, I'm new. <laughs> it, it, what's sure. going to happen? And so that was our goal, 35,000. And let's see what God does. And so, you know. And what percent um, of that, you know, can I, may I just interrupt you? What percent of that, yeah, sure. of your overall budget, what did that represent roughly 35,000? I'd say about 10% of our budget overall. Okay, so like a $350,000 budget. Okay, and again, guys, that's a good way to just kind of general guidelines for that, about 10% of the annual budget. But I love, you give yourself more credit than you you are because you're doing it for the first time. And when people do a Christmas offering for the first time and there's no history for it, there's a big question mark. Like, will people respond to this? Will it resonate with people? So, So what happened? Yeah. So, you know, just to back up a little bit too, um, I really appreciate your coaching in this, Tim. So I, I definitely was on the phone slash text with you a lot on that. And what was helpful was one of our values as a church was risk. And so I knew, mm. all right, you know what? We're open to risk. So let's take a risk. So anyway, we threw it out there. And um, I would say within two to three weeks, I got a call from my treasurer as I'm driving to the office. He goes, um, we just hit our goal. And I'm like, what do you mean? We just hit our goal. We, we just started. He goes, yeah, we just hit 35,000. I think we're, you know, we're actually going to be a little bit more. And he's like, what do you want me to do? And I go, uh, I don't know. Do, uh, do we stop? Do we keep going? What, you know, what, what, do we, what, what do we do? And I, and I, and I think, I think that's where I literally, I, I think I texted you, Tim, like, Tim, what should we do? I've never been in this situation. And, um, you know, we made the decision, you know, let's just keep it open and see what God is going to do. And, uh, you know, he, he blew us away with his, with his goodness and his generosity. 
And so can I, I, I don't want to like keep people waiting any longer, Nathan. What was the end result? I know. So at the end of the day, when we announced to the congregation in January, we had reached $55,000. Incredible. Our, is where we ended. So it catch that. The goal was 35000 and they raised $55,000, guys. Incredible. Yeah, we, we, they, it was insane. We blew past the goal. I was like, blown away our treasure like our whole church is like you know one of the one of the guys who was there since the beginning said listen i remember when our budget was thirty five thousand dollars as a church wow and now wow. our people just raise this and yeah. none of it you know other obviously there's the capital stuff but it's going out it's going right to these families right um and we helped one family basically hit their goal and another family get like 50 percent there and so it was Towards their adoption, awesome the adoption being, process? Towards their adoption. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah exactly. exactly. Incred- what a faith raiser for the congregation, right? But I, I, I hope sure. you catch, yeah, Luke, yeah. Nathan has a lot of wisdom here. He wanted to take the temperature of the congregation. And a Christmas offering will often give you kind of a barometer on where the generosity muscle, has it been exercised or is it atrophying in your church? They were sending you a message. I mean, the congregation is saying, you know what, Pastor Nathan? we have more capacity than we're yeah. actually currently giving. And they were just kind of waiting for you as a lead pastor to cast the vision. Yeah. Hey, and I didn't actually didn't tell you guys this, but um, something happened in our church where all of a sudden people are like, Hey, I see that your doors don't work. We're going to donate doors. So literally wow. like we have these old church doors. So literally, you know, people donated doors so that, you know, that to update, to update the church. One person donated a sound booth. We had a plastic table with a with a cloth over it, with a tablecloth over yeah. it. That was our sound booth. Someone said, "Hey, we're going to give you guys a sound booth," and so they wow. literally just finished it up this past. So there's some. If I could just you know share this with the pastors listening, there's something about generosity that when people see it, it inspires yes. generosity in others. And you know that yes. wasn't something that you know like literally. I was like, okay, maybe the next year we'll raise money for a sound booth or doors. Like the Lord has been so generous right. and just kind of opening up the floodgates there. And so, you know, just really, I love it. you know, again, speechless. Generosity. something about yeah. that. Generosity begets generosity. Yeah. But I want you to capture Correct. it. Nithin, again, look, remodeling, you know, 60-year-old bathrooms is not a sexy thing, right? <laughs> but Nithin, you called yeah. out that, hey, there's some delayed maintenance here, right? They had been without a pastor, et cetera. You're inheriting a building. Yep. And you said, we're going to put some vision around this, that this isn't just about, you know, new tile. This is about welcoming yep. lost people who've never met Jesus and we're readying his house to meet them. Yeah. And others picked up on that. And now you're starting to get a snowball effect past Christmas where people are saying, well, what about the sound booth? What, what about the doors? What about, so is that yeah. cool? Because it really is about vision. It's not about fundraising. It's about faith raising. Think about a new guest walking in your building and being like, ooh, this bathroom, this is not nice. This oh, is not an ex- been there. a nice <laughs> experience walking through these doors. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. maintenance matters. Yeah. Um, and so, but you have to connect the dots for people because they're not going to see the full yep. vision. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that people did get that. Right. And, and the fact that we had this church and, you know, it's not handicap accessible, so we could create that for people. And it, it, yeah. it actually, you know, increased our capacity to love our community. In fact, you know, during little league, there's always a little league parade. And one of the outreaches that I did not think was going to happen, we just opened our doors for people to use the bathroom. And literally there were lines of people oh, no using the kidding. bathroom. I'm like, man, I, I did not realize that our number one outreach strategy would be having an up-to-date bathroom during the little league parade. That's <laughs> so cool. That is came. genius. 
That's incredible, yeah. Nathan. I hope you guys caught that. I mean, think of how hyper-local and contextualized that is, right? It's like, it's yeah. not about a bathroom. We're reaching the people God's bringing to Williamsport from all over in Literally an outreach. never stepped foot in a church, maybe, but stepped foot inside to use the restroom. Yeah. Incredible. Well, people tried to, you know, people tried to tip us. Just like, no, 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 keep your money, <laughs> you give something else. We want to bless you with a clean restroom because at Little League, you know, they've got porta potties, they're running around. Right. Hey, listen, we got a clean restroom, use it, you know, God bless you and things like that. So, you know, that was like one of those things where I'm like, I didn't realize what a huge blessing that was and we could offer that. Hey, Nathan, I want to ask you this. I just want to ask you how you rolled that vision out to the congregation and um, what you saw in that initial response. Sure. So I'll be honest, I, since I've never done this before, I literally stole this out of Tim's handbook. So, hey, if you're, if you're a pastor and you're looking at doing this, I would encourage you to go back and watch all of Tim's messages um, and how he's cast the vision for this because they're really well done. But I, I essentially, you know, we, we finished up a series in the fall and Thanksgiving weekend. And I don't know why Thanksgiving weekend, but that's the one we chose because that's what was always in our rhythm at Liquid. We, we did the message, which we called it Vision Sunday. It wasn't our highest attended Sunday, but that's when, we, that's when we seeded the vision. And then during our Advent series, during our announcements, we just talked about the Christmas offering every single week. Yeah. I created some videos for social media. So those were you know, also going online. Yeah. I let our city group leaders know every week, hey, this is what we're doing. Um, so I tr- and then also we created a, a, a Christmas offering brochure um, that there's a guy in our church. He is a graphic designer. And so he basically said, I'm going to volunteer my time because wow. I believe in this. And he created a, an amazing brochure. He's actually going to work on one for us this year. Again, awesome. um, created a great brochure. Um, and we handed it out to everybody. We walked everyone through the brochure. Then we did a mailing. We mailed out to everyone in our database with a letter and, you know, we, we saturated everybody, but it was tastefully. I don't, I don't think it was an oversaturation, Mm -hmm. but we just made sure we got the word out to everyone. Uh, We made sure that, you know, it wasn't just an iPhone video, but we have a guy in our church who's a a videographer. He kind of donated his time and said, Hey, I want to help with this. And so, uh, you know, we had guys that basically stepped up and really used their gifts to kind of really, help us create an experience for people that they were like really excited about. I love that because some people might be listening to us, right, Tim, and say, well, sure, look, we can pull that off. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got, oh, you've got, got a, a much larger staff than yeah. we do. How are we going to do that? And Nathan's making the point that he had talented people in his congregation use their gifts to make this possible. And Nathan, um, he sent me the brochure. We're going to include that in our leader guide, too, so you can see what their yeah. brochure looked like at City Alliance as well as what ours have looked like at Liquid. Well, and think of the ownership that those guys yeah. had in it, right? They're part of it. So Nathan yeah. isn't like, he's up on the mountain, comes down with a vision. Let me just throw it out there on Sunday. He's involving people from the grassroots, right, to be part of it, which I th- I can imagine. Describe the celebration because when you, you know, announced in January, and by the way, that's a best practice. You do need to report back on the Christmas offering, what you fully received, and you're not trying to goose the numbers. You always want to be honest and totally forthright about exactly what was raised. But it was funny, Nathan. I remember you texted me and you're like, you know, we already hit our goal. Should should we tell people, you know, the Christmas offering's over? And you were like in the second week of December, I think. Is that right? Yeah, it was really early. It was really early. I was like, what is going on? I was like, well, don't <laughs> close the Christmas offering unless you want people to stop giving for the last three weeks of the year. <laughs> right. Because they're sending a right. message. They're saying we have capacity and a heart to be part of this vision of compassion and, and capital. So 
Um, tell us what happened, uh, because a lot of times people say, so do we announce the first Sunday in January? And the answer is no. You always want to wait typically two weeks because a lot of times people will mail it literally on December 31st, yep. mm-hmm. give your finance department some time to aggregate it, double check all of that. You just want to be able to give yourself pre- no pressure and sort that out. But then it's so critical that you come back to the congregation, accountability, transparency, and say, hey, guys, right. this is what God enabled us to do. Sometimes you'll hit the mark. <laughs> Praise God. I pray you have a Nithin effect. You exceed the mark. You shatter it. <laughs> or they may fall short a little bit. And you know what we've had? I've had coached some pastors who said, you know, we were – we were trying to raise $50,000 and we were at 45, you know, and they announced it. And someone walks up to Matt at the end of the of the service and say, I'm going to fulfill it. I want to be the guy who brings the ball mm. across the finish line. Here's a check for 5,000 yeah, awesome. and complete it because people, they rejoice to see the work begin. They want to be involved. So Nathan, what was that celebration like, like when you announced that to city Alliance? Yeah, it was, it was pretty incredible. I think, you know, it, it definitely was something one, one, we weren't expecting. And two, I think a lot of people are, you know, by week one, we came back to church and was, are we going to find out? And I said, well, we're going to wait a week, you know, to build the, build the anticipation to draw it out a little bit. And then we, you know, I was on stage with our treasurer. We announced it, you know, we shot off confetti guns and all that stuff. And oh, I think wow. People were really, really excited. And, and I, I think bet. that's why people were like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Like, we get to be a part of what God is doing yeah. in the lives of these families and in our church. Like, like you said, we can be a place where people can, you know, you know, we can be present in our community and love our community well with that. So I think there was a lot of excitement. And like I said, it built so much momentum yeah. in terms of people's yeah. generosity. And I'm sure there. people are wondering, what are we going to do this year? Right. That's what you want. Yeah, exactly. Anticipation. Yep, yep, exactly. And that's where we're at right now. We're trying to kind of finalize our, uh, our buckets for this year. <laughs> you know, so let's let's talk about that, Nithin, because you're talking about that now, sure. which is perfect, perfect timing. But were there any practical learnings that you would carry forward doing something maybe differently or building upon wins and misses that you would share with others? Yeah, that's a great question. Where I've been reflecting on that. I, I think, so I think, you know, one of the practical things was I did watch a lot of vision casting messages just to see how do guys like Tim and other folks who are really good at it, you know, do it. Because if you're, if you feel kind of funny talking about money, it's just good to at least have a model so that you can, as a guide rail. So that's what I encourage people to do. If you feel kind of funny about asking for money or making a big ask like that, you know, watch guys who've done it before. Cause that I found was really encouraging. I think for me, um, we're still, you know, I would say the experimental phase, like we're trying different, you know, mm-hmm. things so like this year, our buckets aren't going to be the same ones. They're going to be, I mean, we're going to have a capital bucket again, because our building needs some work, but we're going to try some other things too, and see how do people respond to those, to those other areas. So I think there is a sense of where I'm still kind of experimenting and want to try some different buckets to see, Hey, what, what will people, what will, you know, activate people's generosity, what will activate some people versus others, things along those lines. Mm-hmm. I think um, one of the learnings as I'm, you know, reflecting now is communication. I think clarity and just communicating in a timely way really does make a difference. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things, you know, that, you know, um, that I'm going to try this year so, you know, not, not a huge thing, but because I have a guy who's a graphic designer in our church, he was like, you know, the branding from our Advent series was different from our Christmas offering. What if we actually did them together and, mm. you know, maybe you'd get higher synergy and higher impact. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Let's try that. And so, 
he's actually going to help out with the entire branding for Christmas. So it's not just Christmas offering. So it's like such a hard pivot, but like actually going to, and that's something that we can build on because I think people saw, Oh, this was, went so great. What's the next level for that? Things like that. And, um, uh, so, you know, I think we're going to take some of those best practices again, like, you know, writing the letter, but you know, the more in advance you can have this, the better, you know? Um, and so I think that's, that's the key is like the more you can communicate to people in advance and again, keep it in front of people. I think that the more it's helpful for people. And again, like I said, try to find something that's a compelling cause. I know for us, adoption is really compelling in our church. Yeah. So that's why that was the cause I started with. And so there's a couple other causes that I'm like, you know what? I want to try this and see and um, see kind of where our people land on that. So that's kind of where we're at you know, moving forward. 18 months in, you're making incredible impact, Nathan. We are so proud of you, man. Just love being partners and cheerleading for you guys in Williamsport, City Alliance Church, making waves. And uh, know that, man, we are cheerleading and praying for you, man, that you will shatter your Christmas offering from last year this year. I love you, brother. All right. Well, thanks, Tim. I appreciate you and appreciate all that you guys are doing. As part of our podcast each month, we want to spotlight some churches making waves and doing great work. It's not just about giving them a shout out, but about pointing you in the right direction so you can become better equipped and resourced. So today we want to highlight a church that is making waves right here in New Jersey. Our friends over at Millington Baptist Church in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. Uh, My brothers there, Dave Henschel, Bob Erbig, they're actually co-lead pastors. They have a amazing leadership model. And these That's are, awesome. Are incredible guys. And they were part of our uh, coaching network. Uh, of course, we do our coaching network for lead pastors. If you're interested in that, you can find out more at our churchchanger.com website. But Dave uh, and Bob were part of that. And they took our Christmas offering template. And here's the cool part. They really made it their own, right? We want to give you some general guardrails, best practices. But what they said is, they, hey, we prayerfully planned over this. When they talked to their elders, they had never done that before. And they cast an incredible vision. I mean, I, they created a splash page on their website, Lauren. And when I went through, I was like, this is incredible. I'm going to try to copy this <laughs> because they know they showed, hey, this is where we're going to be doing some remodeling. Here's how we're investing in the next generation, yeah. reaching kids and students. They had a whole thing about their missions because as a Baptist church, they have incredible passion for missions. And they hit it out of the park. Can I read this email uh, that Dave sent me? I would is, I would love to hear this because reporting back yeah. to people, like this really makes a difference. Okay, so listen to this. He said, hey, Tim, some exciting news we want to share. Because of the coaching network, this past December, we took a play from the playbook and did a, a Christmas offering. We were trusting God to provide above and beyond and hoping for $180,000. Now listen to this which is about twice our normal monthly budget. So that was a step of faith for them, right? Yeah. After pitching this to the elders in October, and they were not immediately receptive, by the way, when I I talked to Dave, he said, you know, it took a little bit of conversation. He goes, we created our Christmas offering brochure, a Vision Sunday sermon, and all the vision casting was done. With all the money was counted, God provided over, drum roll please, $395,000. Whoa. Like they crushed it. They were trying to raise 180000 People ended up giving almost $400,000. I mean, this is more than double. That is incredible. It's a game changer. That's a game changer. Like, just ask the pastors out there, what would you do if that was the response end of the year? You think you'd begin the following year with some momentum? 
Uh, heck yeah. Yeah. So praise God for the family at Millington Baptist Church. He said, we've never seen any December like this in our history. He writes here, truly something for the record books. God is at work. Thanks for your investment, Dave and Bob. And uh, love you guys, Dave and Bob. Um, They're alumni of our coaching network. We still stay in touch. Um, We do have seats for the 2023 uh, Lead Pastors Coaching Network. You can find out more about that at churchchanger.com. There's a whole section on coaching. That's really where we go into depth, not just about the Christmas offering, but your overall stewardship strategy. Mm -hmm. Because again, when you plan and pray together, that's where we see God's power unleashed. What I love about this is, like you said, Tim, they took our template and made it their own because we want people to adjust things for their unique context and their unique vision. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. Um, All right, everybody, I love that we end every time we're together with our segment, Something Fun or Something Free, on each episode of Church Changer. We want to end on a high note. Today, we are giving away what I'm going to call our Christmas Offering Toolkit. I teased this earlier in the show, but essentially, we're going to give you samples of every single thing we create for the Christmas Offering so you can customize them for your context Hit the ground running. Sample brochures, sample letters, sample offering envelope designs, Vision Sunday messages, graphics, etc. All of that will be in our leader guide for this episode. Just go to churchchanger.com slash podcast to download your leader guide and those resources. And if you're a lead pastor, a senior leader, you're interested in the coaching network, like I said, just visit churchchanger.com slash coaching. Right. And uh, we only have about 30 slots available. About half of them, a little over half right now are taken up. But um, this is something that's a nine-month coaching network. They're a combination of in-person and online where we do deep dives into systems like stewardship and generosity, assimilation, preaching, all the good stuff. But you can follow all that uh, and find us on Instagram. Our handle is at Church Changers. Plus, we'd love it if you followed Church Changer on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your listening from. And if you enjoyed the show, just leave us a rating or review. Help us get the word out. We just want to help other church leaders. That's our heart. Put aside our egos and logos and let's do something great for God together. Thanks again for joining us, guys. Remember, change is inevitable. Irrelevance is not. We'll see you next time. Oh, oh, oh.